1: welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast Clayton safety here with Anthony broom we are presented by manscaped uh, so we thank our sponsors manscaped as always promo code 20 go blue get to 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. they got all your needs there um, so spring balls over Anthony officially the offseason again in football uh, that was kind of a you know, a little break from the off season and it was fun and the spring game was good. And we'll talk about that. Uh, basketball also kind of in limbo as well. Brandon Johns Jr. Transfers. We'll talk about that at the end a little bit, where the roster's at, what we're thinking about some of the upcoming decisions. But let's start with with the spring game. I mean, real quick, just kind of the overall impressions there. I mean, I thought it was a good game. It was a competitive game. Uh, they got a little boring at the end, but at the same time, we got to see a lot of the young talent in this game, and that excited me. The Mason Grahams of the world, the Derek Moores of the world, even those young offensive linemen that we saw. Uh, Darius Clemens had a nice game and a nice touchdown catch, so there was a lot to glean. We got to see Kalel Mullings play both sides of the ball at running back and linebacker. We got to see Mike Saner still for the first time at defensive back, uh, as well as in the slot on offense, so... Quite a bit that they showed without having to show scheme and tendency and things like that. But just in terms of watching guys, watching personnel, I thought it was fun. And I thought that we, you know, had some, you know, things to to look for and a lot of interesting kind of storylines.
0: Yeah, it's one of the like spring football to me is it's college football's version of, I mean, to a lesser extent, the NFL preseason. You know, I know these schools have have these. In Michigan's case, you're going to play three non-conference games that are let's call it, let's call it what it is. They're three cupcake games this year, so it you know it kind of serves as that too. But if you're going into spring football looking for like we know that Cade McNamara is good, we know that Blake Horam is good, Donovan Edwards are good, Eric All. You know the names go on and on. For me, spring football serves as what are the second and third levels of your football team? How are they developing? What do they look like? And as far as that goes, I mean, this was as competitive a Michigan spring game as I can remember. Uh, It did get a little bit boring later on, but that's, again, that's when we saw Jim Harbaugh start changing rules and adding time to the clock and, you know, calling his own penalties. And sometimes you have to make it a little more fun for yourself and make it a little more competitive. But yeah, I, I walked out of that. I can't say that, you know, there are questions we have about this football team that we won't know the answers to until September 3rd, September 4th, probably 3rd, even yeah. longer than that, uh, yeah. given that there, there are games to play and you build a body of work from there. But I feel strangely at ease with, with the depth. I know they're so young in so many areas, especially on defense, but I came out of that feeling like, you know what, I think they might be okay. We know like the elephant in the room, you lose 25 sacks off of your defense. You're not just going to replace, you don't just go Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw. We need you guys to go replace that production. It's not going to happen that way. Uh, that's going to come as a group effort through each level of your defense. And I, I just, I'm not crazy about the linebacker depth, but other than that, I think they're young, athletic, and and trending upward in a lot of other areas. So, again, I don't think that spring ball or, or the spring game really changed a lot about how I see this football team. I think right now. I could pretty safely say I think this is a 10 10-ish win team uh, and then that's you know you see what you can add to that from there. but it's a good it's a good team. it's a it's a deep team in a lot of good areas, especially on offense. So if you can find a way to keep the ball rolling there and not just like you set a pretty good base for what you could be last year, now it's your second season for a lot of those guys in prominent roles, you start peeling it back a little bit more. What can you do differently uh, on offense? That's going to be a, the biggest storyline for me in fall camp is how you further
1: develop that identity while adding some new tweaks in there. I think you you put it really well saying like you know we know certain things about this team Blake Corum Donovan Edwards you know to a, like a similar extent we know what Cade McNamara is and I know that a lot of people have talked about the improvements he's made over this off season. He didn't get a lot of snaps. He didn't have much time to throw on his three throws his running game was just weirdly not on when he was on the field which was kind of weird and he had four punts in his four drives he was lobbying to get back in the game they didn't let him back in his day was done he still had 14 other practices to to work you know on things during um but it was kind of funny we were up in the press box during the game and uh, you know, a writer from another site. I honestly don't even know who it was. I just heard this was writing takeaways from the game. And early on in the game, he goes, Blake Corum is, you know, looks fast. You know, that's one of it, you know, was at least writing down for maybe notes or something like that. And I was just thinking, it's funny. Like, I mean, he looked fast. He looked pretty good. It's like, we knew that though. And, you know, sky is blue, water's wet, Pope right. is Catholic, right. And then you start thinking about the things we do know about this football team, as you kind of mentioned. And I think that speaks to the floor of what this team is. You say 10 wins. I, You know, I'd say a, a floor, even if things don't go great, is like at least eight wins with the way the schedule is and all that. And I'm not predi- – I'm predicting much more than that. But um, that's a good feeling, I think, to have in the spring. Cade McNamara played four drives, punted four times. No one's panicking, except there will probably be some people in the YouTube comments that are like, you know, saying Davis Warren should jump him on the depth chart or whatever. By the way, shout out to him. A good spring game. But – So like, we know so much about this team without really having to see it in that game. And at the same time, I was fine. Well, I was complaining a little bit about them adding time in in the fourth quarter because (laughs) it was a little tiring. You know, a guy would get a catch or make a tackle and you're looking at your roster. Okay, who's number 34 or whatever. Um, Half kidding there. But, you know we got to watch Derek Moore for the first time in a Michigan uniform. Mason Graham was really impressive on the defensive line too. And I came out away way up impressed with some of the younger talent and unproven talent on both the defensive line and in the secondary. I thought Jalen Perry, who's not a young guy but hasn't played much in his career, looked really good at corner uh, during some of his backup snaps. And he played a lot of the game. Uh, same with Quentin Johnson at safety. Guys moving around like you know, like they could move around like that during a normal game. And that kind of encouraged me when you look at a couple of those spots. Linebackers, another one of them, agree with you there that the depth is a concern. So you came out of it still with what we knew beforehand, but you feel pretty good about what we saw. Now it's against you know some backups at times. It's against half of your offensive line at other times when you talk about the defense line and vice versa and so on and so on. But uh, you know, I think there was a, a decent amount to glean about some of the – second and third, you know, guys on the depth chart, as you mentioned. Um, Anything specific that you just feel a lot better about coming out of the spring than you did coming in? Uh, A lot has been made about the defense. You know, I, I feel similar. I think I feel a little bit better than I did knowing that Mike Morris has stepped up. Taylor Upshaw has stepped up. You know, Mozzie Smith in the middle is becoming even more of a big time player there. Uh, Junior Colson said he feels sometimes like a veteran, even though he's still in his freshman year of college, which is crazy. But uh, anything you feel a little bit better about, I'd say for me, it's just the defense as a whole, probably the defensive line. And it's just kind of an incremental, you know, positive change for for how I view it.
0: Well, it goes back to something we talked about a couple podcasts ago, where if you really sit down and think about it and even go back to switching defenses from Don Brown to Mike McDonald, you sit here and you ask yourself during the off season, like, do we have more questions about this year's defense than we did heading in last year? Now, obviously we knew Aiden Hutchinson was good. We didn't know he'd wind up being, you know, best player in the 2022 NFL draft. Good. But other than that, there were a lot of question marks there and, and you weren't sure where guys, you know, we didn't know, we didn't know what J where David Ojabo was going to come from. He comes out of nowhere and he's, you know, one of the, you know, four or five best pass rushers in the draft class. So there are a lot of unknowns still and things that you just can't, you can't know until these are live, live reps, live bullets against other teams. Uh, I'll say this, a position group, like I feel better about the defensive general, but more specifically, like we've been talking about, you know, on the message board and on the podcast about where do they look to fill some depth via the transfer portal? And I know there's some stuff with, the kid from UCF at defensive tackle, but I don't necessarily know if they really need to dip into the portal for a defensive tackle. Like one at this point would be, I mean, it, another body is always good. You like having guys out there because you're just an injury away from having to play someone that wasn't really in the plans. But, you know, all of a sudden you look at Mozzie Smith, who could be the best overall player on the defense. I think Chris Jenkins and um, George Rooks, Rayshon Benny, all of those guys have taken steps. Mason Graham, I was very impressed by. Uh, you know, I, there, there some have been concerned that maybe he's physically maxed out already, but he's 6'3", 292. So, like, you can if that's physically maxed out, that he physically fits the bill of what a college player at defensive tackle looks like. So, all of a sudden, I think you can kind of go like three, four, five deep there. And, and again, I, I think the ultimate ceiling of that group probably comes with those guys you already have on the roster. So, uh, you know, if you can, at this stage in the game, if you can add someone in the portal, great. But if I'm adding someone in the portal at this point, it's probably more at linebacker. Uh, I don't think they need to add one at cornerback because Mike Sainer still has been a revelation there. And that was another big takeaway of mine. He was stride for stride. That one rep against Andre Anthony, made a nice play in coverage over the middle of the field. That looks like it works, and then all of a sudden you've got D.J. Turner and Jamon Green, who had a good spring. Will Johnson, who I think is going to be too good to keep off the field. You look at these other areas, and all of a sudden it's like things might not be as – I don't think anyone ever thought that defense was was in a dire spot, but there's when you lose the guys that they're losing, there's always going to be a natural drop-off there, right? So I, I just I, – I'm not – I feel – more at ease. Maybe the floor is higher. We'll see what the ceiling winds up being. Uh, I will say this, like I do think they have a chance to be a more well-rounded defense than they were last year. Those pass rushers covered up a lot of, I won't say warts, but maybe some uh, where you're not quite as strong in other areas, namely on the back end of the defense, uh, you know, at cornerback with some of those other guys, but yeah, let's roll the balls out there, see what happens. And I think this spring was very productive for them.
1: I will say, going back to Cam Good, the transfer from UCF, who's in the portal, visited Sunday to Tuesday. Um, I I think that would be pretty big, but I agree with you that elsewhere, like we came into this off season in January, and people were saying, "Well, where do you want them to hit the portal at?" And you know, I could name five positions. I you know, I, I think I did name. I wrote an article about it. I mean, defensive tackle, safety was one. I thought linebacker. And they already looked at guys at the running back spot to potentially add more of a bigger back. And we saw that they're trying to fill it now within the roster with Javier Dunlap and Kalal Mullings. But um, now I'm with you in terms of the roster looks looks pretty good. I would take Cam good, though, I think, at the defensive tackle spot. He's been productive for a few years at UCF, has played a lot of ball. He's a veteran. He would add a presence there and, you know, I don't think it would be like a Jordan Whitley situation where he comes in and plays 25 snaps the whole season or whatever it was. I think he could provide more than that. And as you said, kind of a you're an injury away. And, you know, let's say a guy like Chris Jenkins goes down there. Then you're starting, you know, Mason Graham or, um, you know, Rayshon Benny. And then with the amount of rotation Mike Elston likes to do on the defensive line going back to his days at Notre Dame, you're playing, you know, a lot of these freshmen or, you know, second year guys quite a bit. So I think you could use a veteran presence there to go, you know, pair with Mozzie Smith or even a guy to rotate in. Um, and it seems like they feel good about Cam Good and what, you know, what he can do. Notre Dame was someone, he uh, a school he was considering taking a visit to. Potentially still is, but they just landed a defense attack a lot of the portal from Harvard. So maybe that, uh, you know, will change things in terms of, you know, what his other options are. So that's something to monitor as well. But uh, I think you feel pretty good uh, there. And here we are going into the offseason. J.J. McCarthy looks like he'll start throwing and potentially be full go in a couple weeks based on reports. So that is big as well because the quarterback thing is, man, Jim Harbaugh was answering questions about the quarterback battle at 12- or like eleven forty five on New Year's Eve, whatever it was, had his post game press conference was going longer or before that, right? No, that's true. He started to get him late in the season. He had to talk about how it's a, a position that is leased and not uh, not owned or whatever. Um, so that was like going to be the thing we were going to be talking about the most. Here we are. It was put on pause, but now that JJ McCarthy's nearing a return after dealing with shoulder soreness during the spring, then things are going to heat up. At the same time, we're not going to get a spring game to see. You know, we're, We'll talk to guys during fall camp, and we'll get intel throughout the summer. But uh, that is going to be really interesting now that that, in a couple of weeks, it looks like, will be back open. You know, The competition, Cade McNamara has gained on him this spring, obviously with him being out and not throwing. But uh, that's another thing to watch as well. I would say the odds that J.J. McCarthy – takes over that job to start the season are significantly lower than I would have put them at a few months ago, just because of that setback. And the fact that, you know, Cade has really emerged as even more of a leader and all of that. Um, but we will see, and things can happen over the summer. Jim Harbaugh says the quarterback spot is, you know, one of those positions where you can really improve by yourself. You can throw into a net, you can, you know, get one other guy and run routes with them and, you know, get some, get some throws in. So it's uh, it's a position where you can improve at throughout the summer. Uh, any any lasting thoughts on, on spring ball as we head into what will be an interesting summer? Man, I mean, the culture seems strong. And we saw the uh, just about the whole team at the Pistons game the other night as well, which was pretty cool. We had no idea they were going to be there. And it seems like they were having fun together and all that. We saw a few of them in the concourse. Um, you just have a good feeling about this team, I feel like, going into the summer, which is a complete 180. And some of it was perception. Uh, but a complete 180 from a year ago.
0: Yeah, I I guess what I'll I'll pick back up on the quarterback thing, uh especially if JJ is ready to throw here in the next couple weeks. Here's does Cade have a leg up? Absolutely. Like you get they always say the best avail or the best ability you have is availability. And he's been the guy throughout spring camp, he played quarterback only a couple series for both teams in the spring game and the the leadership stuff is great. Like you want to hear the guys a guy's taking ownership, staking his claim, not going to cede ground there. But I'm really interested because we didn't see a ton of him in the spring game. Really, I want to know where he got better in terms of you know he said he was working on his footwork and um, you know some accuracy things. I think we all kind of know at this point that if there ever comes a point where it all clicks for JJ McCarthy whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whatever it is, it's going to be really hard to keep that guy off the field. And like he already is, even if Cade starts, he's going to be on the field. So I think a lot of people have kind of called this quarterback battle already because JJ wasn't out there during the spring. I mean, everything that we've heard is that, I mean, look at, for, for example, spring game. He wanted to participate in that damn spring game so badly. He was holding for field goals and extra points. That's that's an intangible thing too. We talk a lot about how Cade McNair is taking a step forward as a leader. That's you know that's another sign that a guy is is scratching and clawing and doing everything he can to get on the field and make some sort of impact. Um, you know he hasn't been throwing a ton or he hasn't really thrown at all, but he's been he's been doing footwork stuff in spring ball. Like this battle is far from over, and if he's truly healthy when fall camp starts. To be a fly on the wall in that building, I think it's going to be fascinating because I think for a guy like that, and really like these two, they've been very good to each other and supportive of each other. But those two guys are as competitive as it gets, and if JJ McCarthy has this pent up kind of, um, you know, I won't use the whole term here, but fu energy from not having participated in the spring that battle is going is far from over. So I wouldn't, I would just be, I know you're not saying this. We haven't said, said this. I would still think Cade McNamara is the favorite for the job, but do not rule out. I'm not ready to rule out that guy because he has the combination of intangibles and skills. And like I said, if it clicks for him, it's going to be really darn tough to make that decision. And, uh, I don't envy them, but you also know that whoever's going to play, whoever comes out of this quarterback battle, we've said this going back to midway through last year. Whoever comes out of it this year, it will be as earned as it ever has been, and I think that's exciting in terms of needing needing that quarterback to shoulder a little bit more this year.
1: So, no, you're right. It's not over. Um, The way I kind of view it is that like. In fall camp, let's say J.J. McCarthy is 100%. I expect him to be, you know, whatever. He just doesn't have that kind of margin for error that he maybe would have had coming into the spring where you can kind of, okay, a couple good days here, off day there. You know, Cade's Mr. Consistent, right? I mean, I know he's got talent and, you know, he has a good arm and all that as well. He's not just this consistent guy that, you know, really isn't talented or whatever. But – I think if JJ comes out guns blazing, has a great first week of camp, continues that, keeps it going. Cade plays well, but just doesn't maybe have the same tools as JJ. He can absolutely win the job. We could be sitting there three weeks in, guys talking about how this is really a battle. I don't think he would, uh, you know, Harbaugh or any of the coaches would really name a guy at that point. Probably either way. Uh, Go ahead. I
0: I think you bring up an excellent point here, in that. If it's close and it's just kind of like ah, JJ's been good, Cade's been consistent. If it's close, you go with the known commodity.
1: Because uh, JJ will play either way. If you go with JJ, you could lose Cade and Cade doesn't like what would he what would he bring JJ, off the back? JJ
0: McCarthy's yeah. going to win this quarterback battle, which it's crazy that we we've even we're even striking this up coming off are. the spring. We didn't really play, but we're here. We've done it. Here we are. Um if he's going to win this battle it's because he was head and shoulders, the better guy. Like it's not a politics thing. It's not a promises thing. I think that's if if there's any, if it's neck and neck at all, go back to what Kate McNamara said earlier in the spring. I I am a big 10 championship winning quarterback. And that's if JJ is going to win this job, he clearly has to be better. And it can't just be, you know, the YouTube highlight people bringing up the YouTube highlights of garbage time, touchdowns against you know western michigan and wisconsin like he has got to be what people think he is or what he think he can be like it's like this this fall camp if there's any debate on who it if there's any neck and neck to it i think it will wind up being kate and i think that would be the right decision
1: yeah and i'll say that i i agree with you there i will say that I think JJ could be a little bit better in the first four or five games of the year. And Mm -hmm. I could see them turning it over to him. Uh, I don't think it would have to be some huge difference between the two, but if they saw some sort of difference, I think we could see that going into the year. But I agree. If we're talking about the opener and who's going to start that, I think JJ would have to have an unbelievable fall camp, which I think he's capable of doing. And Cade would maybe be a little on and off here and there. And you just say to yourself, wow, we, we trust him because trust is a huge part of the quarterback spot, as much as people, and that's why experience plays into it so much. As much as people kind of want to lament that and say like, "Oh, well, don't just go with the experience or the veteran," it's like, "Well, there's a reason why because you got to trust the guy out there," and uh, and you know, so it's going to be interesting. But yeah, we're in peak off season talk uh, already, you know, talking about who's going to win. That. I mean, it's getting me fired up. I can't wait I for the football season already. Um, should we shift over to basketball and uh, talk about? a little bit of the roster stuff uh or do you have anything else on football?
0: I have a lot I could talk about about football, but sure, we have same. we have
1: several months of
0: of time to fill here, so we'll just we'll move on to to the next topic of the day.
1: For sure. Uh before we do that, let's talk about manscaped um fellas. Have you started your spring cleaning yet? We got a new read, so bear with me here. The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code 20GOBLUE. It gets you 20% off and free shipping. That's two zero G O goblue at manscaped.com. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The performance package 4.0, which they sent us, uh, what, a week ago, is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. Anthony, uh, they sent us that package. They keep sending us great stuff, right? They do.
0: I, I have nothing but good and positive things to say. I mean, the the body wash, the, the shampoo and conditioner, the – Hydrating body spray uh, is outstanding as well. I mean, I've never, I've been with this company. This is, believe it or not, Clayton, seven months now I've been with the company. Gotten a couple packages from Manscaped at this point, and they are batting a thousand. So I cannot, cannot not recommend them enough for what they provide for
1: us and what they provide to readers and listeners of, uh, of the Wolverine.com's content. Speaking of batting 1,000, man, you'll be at opening day tomorrow for the Tigers. Uh, I'm very jealous. Also, Masters is on right now. I'm kind of, you know, a little distracted trying to catch up on my guy, Tiger Woods, watching him throughout the day. Um, So pretty good sports week. Michigan in the Frozen Four. This is coming out, like, as Michigan is playing in the Frozen Four, so hopefully they move on to the national title game. Uh, But some good sports this weekend, for sure. And, yeah, we appreciate our sponsors, Manscaped. But before we talk about what the johns transfer means and i think there's been some kind of misconceptions out there about that when it comes to scholarship numbers and everything but i just wanted to to quickly kind of ask you because i was was reflecting on this over the last day or so and then it's even something i've kind of even thought about the whole season about brandon johns but what do you see his quote-unquote legacy or you know i guess what do you take from his career at michigan
0: Legacy is complicated because I feel like when we talk expectations versus reality, what, what he will be remembered for is not living up to the hype, so to speak. Not that he was a potential one and done or, or NBA caliber guy, but uh, this was a big gap for Michigan in that he was a, a top, I think, top 40, top 50 guy that you pulled out of Tom Izzo's backyard. You pulled him right out of East Lansing and, Tom Izzo was pissed about that. Like that's very well known that um, of what that whole situation was. And for whatever reason, it just, you know, we would see glimpses of it. The last two seasons when Michigan needed someone to step up when Isaiah Livers was out, I mean, you could, you could see like when he wasn't looking over his shoulder and he played free and loose. And, And that's not to say he always played. I actually think he's, he was very underrated defensively. I thought that out there, he brought good effort and energy, but there were times where he just—I don't know—I um, don't know how to describe it. It's uh, there was definitely a confidence issue there. Uh, he had been transparent about that. The coaching staff had been transparent about that. Um, I'm not. It's he was huge during the NCAA tournament last year. I mean, he was. That that Michigan team, without Isaiah Livers, who is an NBA, we can say this right now, an NBA starter right now as we record this podcast, what Michigan lost with him cannot be overstated enough. And and Brandon Johns played the best basketball of his career when the chips were down. But this year, there was a clear path for him to, again, talk about how he'd not look over his shoulder. He started the year, uh, I believe, believe he started the year at the four or, or starting in the, at the four and over time, just kind of seeded the job and just never, he had that big game at Nebraska, but just never really put it together. Uh, I think that a change of scenery for him in a fifth year will do wonders for him. I think that if he goes to a, a mid major program and, and has a chance to be a guy that's firmly in a starting lineup, I think he could be a good veteran ad for someone. But at Michigan, it was um, – I don't lay a ton of blame at his feet, but it's just, you know, when you look at when you look at what could have been, uh, he was the top player in the state of Michigan, there was some meat left on the bone there. And it's disappointing because we did – there were times where we saw what he could be when it was all clicking.
1: For sure. It, it is very interesting. It's kind of a mixed bag when you look at his career. I, I will say, you know – he was a freshman. He didn't play a lot. He played in 28 out of the 37 games, four minutes a game. You know, he was kind of that reserve type. Like, look at Frankie Collins. He probably missed, you know, didn't play in six, seven games. Could have been more if, you know, Devontae, you know, who knows what it would have happened in the NCAA tournament. But similar to that. Uh, actually, less minutes, though, than Frankie even. Um, then takes a pretty big jump. I mean, his sophomore season was his best year when you look at stats. He averaged six and four. He was a really good offensive rebounder. He added a spark off the bench. He kind of did what he was asked to do, was on a pretty good team, sat in the corner, took jump shots, crashed the boards, you know, and I will say like, then he kind of was the same thing the next year. Didn't actually play as much with a more talented roster, shot the ball pretty well, but you know, and then, and then did really well in the NCAA tournament, averaged 10 points, four rebounds. But I just feel like there wasn't a ton of development there. He, he kind of was the same guy physically as he was those years prior. And, you know, that's pretty good when you're a stretch four. You could, you know, stretch the floor as a five, shoot the ball. But if he would have really developed, I think it would have done wonders. And I think a lot of his career will always be looking back at, oh, well, he had to play behind Isaiah Livers. And that's just really tough. Like, you're not going to win that job. I mean, not many guys are. As you said, Livers, I mean, we were at the game last night for the Pistons. He was in the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, so that's that's always going to be there, I think, for Brandon Johns. What could have been if he would have played 30 minutes a night for multiple years? I know he didn't deserve that with how he played in his limited time, but we saw him put some things together when he got on the floor a little bit more consistently. So that'll always be there for him. I I do wish him well as well in his next stop. Oh, excellent Um, guy. He's a great kid.
0: loved by his teammates by yeah
1: and he he bought in it wasn't for a lack of effort i don't think um confidence was a thing he talked about as well i part of me though like was also thinking well i mean what kind of what moves does he you know have that that you know even when confident he can go to um you know he could post up a little bit here and there got some shots blocked he's a good shooter so maybe if confidence played into it there i still just feel like he he could have and maybe it would have come with playing time but um you know, been developed a little bit better, but uh, you know, an, an interesting career, I think, for him. Now when we talk about what the scholarship situation looks like, some people were saying, oh, perfect. Like now we can go get a guy in the portal, you know, whatever. It's like he didn't have a scholarship necessarily. This was his fourth mm-hmm. year. He played all four years. He only has the extra year because of COVID. Unlike Eli Brooks this year, next year, wow. these guys that are using their extra years are going to count against the scholarship number. So he didn't necessarily get invited back, um, you know, or even two years ago thought that he was going to have this opportunity. So you can't can't try to trash on him that way. I know a lot of people like to, you know, he's kind of the punching bag type of guy. But the scholarships are still full here with 13. You have huge decisions coming up for Musa Diabate, Hunter Dickinson, and to a lesser extent Caleb Houston, who I think most people believe will – Will you know return, you know, feel pretty strongly about that. Um, there was some talk that maybe they would want him back if Musa left, you know, you still might want to forward there, and it looks like that's gonna to have to be somebody in the portal um, but I guess your thoughts on just kind of where the scholarship stand it doesn't change a lot. I just wanted to kind of clear that up because we got so many people asking about you know what what they're gonna do with that scholarship there there was no Brandon John scholarship. he was basically gonna be a portal guy like if you had a room, You could maybe ask him to come back if he wanted to, but we're kind of still in a standstill here. April 24th is still the deadline for those guys to enter the draft. And even if they do, which, you know, you wouldn't blame them and you probably expect at least one or two of them to enter the draft, go through the process still until June 1, uh, you know, until they can withdraw. So there's there's still a ways to go here.
0: Yeah. It's important to, yeah, there was no spot for Brandon Johns. There is no spot for Brandon Johns right now. Uh, He went through senior night like his, his other peers did. And there there's, there was nowhere for him to go. So if he wanted to keep playing basketball, the portal was going to be where he had to, to seek that opportunity at. Now, maybe his, who knows, maybe Michigan loses a couple of guys and his recruitment drags on a bit and he gets asked back. That's, that happens sometimes. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the path forward. I think that's probably pretty unlikely here, but you know, Michigan's 13 spots are filled up right now. Um, And even it's going to be until I believe the deadline to declare and then return to school is June 1st. I think you just said so. Even if these guys, you know, let's just say Hunter, like, let's say the three that we have in mind Hunter Caleb Houston, Musa Diabate. Let's say they declare. Yeah, you might, you probably are leaning towards at least two of the, maybe two of those guys being back. But you're not really gonna know for a bit. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of off season to go here. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where if they lose a guy, if they lose both Hunter and and Musa, yeah, you're gonna have to go to the portal and get a big man. And then it becomes if you have a shot at everyone else is John's a guy that you ask back by default. I tend to believe, I think there's, there's gotta be close to 1500 guys in the portal right now. So I think that, and Michigan has, you know, they always keep a cursory eye on what's out there. Um, You know, there could be a guy, uh, like I said, they're filled up right now, but they could have a couple of their own guys enter the portal. Like you just don't know until that name pops up, you know, across the timeline. So-and-so is in the transfer portal. So, Right now, I mean, this team as constructed, I have questions about, but if this team as constructed returns, meaning you get Hunter back, you get Musa and Caleb back, and those guys go through another summer of conditioning and skill training, things get interesting. It's where you lose one of those guys, two of those guys where, one, you'll have the spots to add other pieces, and and two, it it adds questions about the chemical mixture of what this thing could be. So... You know, when I went through it earlier today, uh, as we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, I did something for the website. So feel free to go check that out. uh, What Michigan basketball's lineup might look like with its current roster. If everyone comes back, you've got your starting front court intact. You've got Caleb, you've got Musa, you've got Hunter Dickinson. And those guys need to take steps forward. uh, The freshman dude that is, or they'll be sophomores, but you'd also have a backcourt of Frankie Collins and Kobe Buffkin that just hasn't played a ton of basketball. And Frankie is the most proven of the two. I think what we saw in the NCAA tournament is that guy can hold down the four at the point um, in a pinch, but it's going to have to be more than in a pinch next year if he winds up being the guy. So uh, there there would be questions there. I think that adding, if you lose someone, adding a two, an off-ball guard that can at least give you minutes, doesn't even need to be a starter, someone that can give you minutes, would be probably the first thing I'd go after. Because even with the bigs, You do have Terrace Reed coming in and I think that he's going to be ready to play. So a lot to sort out a lot of questions. It's, it's almost a futile practice to even try and project what it might look like because of how fluid the transfer people complain. Oh, transfer portals, the era of free agency. Now guess what? We can't complain. No one's complaining because this is how it is now. So that's just the way we have to handle it.
1: Um, off season, off season here. Definitely. And, I'll say this about Frankie. I'm with you there. It's it's going to be more than what his role was at the end of this past season. Now that you're a guy that's at the top of the scouting report or on the scouting report as a starter and you don't really have a jump shot, at least not yet, that's going to be potentially a problem. So that's something to watch for sure when you look at the backcourt. Um, but I, I'll say this about the Brandon Johns thing in my last point is that I think the hope for Michigan fans is that Brandon Johns, potentially had the opportunity to come back or maybe they said hey you know wait a little bit and and we'll let you know but maybe you know being close to these guys and he thought you know Hunter Dickinson could be coming back and Musa Diabate could, could be coming back and there's not really a spot for him so that's the hope it's not that oh thank god his scholarship's gone we can go get somebody else I think because again there was no scholarship but Um, If you're going to hope something here and you're going to be happy about something, I think it's probably that there was a potential chance that he could come back and he saw that maybe those other two guys are going to return. At the same time, June 1 is still a date that we're probably going to be monitoring because I would think you'd want to test the waters and get the most information you can. You see Max Christie doing, doing it at Michigan State. You've seen plenty of other guys declare around the country as well that will probably return and uh this is just the way it goes we had to wait for hunter last year he said he was torn at times as well so even if you go into that process thinking yeah i'll probably come back uh you that your decision may change at different points throughout it and whatever final decision you make is the one that sticks on uh at 11:59 p.m on june 1st but uh it'll it'll be really interesting so uh that is kind of our show for today um off season for both now after spring football and uh now that we're a couple of weeks removed from the last basketball game, so stick with us at thewolverine.com. We still got a lot of stuff coming. Uh, Chris Ballas had his depth charts for the offense and defense, so check those out at thewolverine.com. One dollar gets you an entire year, so definitely worth it to sign up now before that deal ends. And again, we thank our sponsor Manscaped. Twenty Go Blue is the promo code there. Two zero G O B L U E at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping, and we'll see everyone next time. Step into the world
0: of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business.
1: Introducing The Godfather at champacasino.com.